Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Praise God. We're going to continue with uh, part four of the series that we've been doing on the, the core values of Hope Church. This is part four. Uh, for those who don't know, we renamed our church uh, at the beginning of this year from High Country Christian Church to Hope Church. And this renaming has been a wonderful opportunity for us to revisit some things, to revisit things like vision, to revisit things like what are our, our core values? What do we value at this church? What do we think is so important? And so we've talked about that for the last three weeks. This will be week number four. And then uh, next week, we'll wrap this series up with part five. But I want to go ahead and talk today um, out of Matthew chapter 16. We'll pull that up. That's been our main scripture. And as you're turning there, let's go ahead and make our confession of faith that we like to make. You can see it on the screen for those who are here. You can see it for those online. This should be on your screen as well. We love to declare this over ourselves every single time we get together. So let's read it out loud and declare it today. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Say that last one again. Today I am growing in the things of God. You say, why do we say that? Because we believe it. Amen. It's just pretty simple. We just believe it. So I believe you're going to grow today. Amen. Touch your neighbor. Tell him you're growing today. Amen. Amen. There you go, Claire. There you go. So Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking here. To his disciples, I always picture them sitting around a campfire for some reason when I read this verse. But here's Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says to them, he says, and I I say that you are Peter, verse 18, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many of you know that Jesus himself is building his church? And the beautiful promise in this verse is that the gates of hell, the defenses of hell, cannot stand against the advancing of the church of Jesus Christ. You need to know this morning that you're part of something very big, much, much bigger than you, much, much bigger than our local church. We're part of the international, multi-dimensional church of God. How many of you know there's members of the church that are in heaven right now? I mean, we're, we're talking about something that spans across time and space and generations and countries and history, and we are part of this beautiful thing called the church. God's building it, amen? And we said that uh, church, as we, as we talk about and understand what church is, we need to understand that the values of a church are very, very important. In fact, we said that values define culture. Values define culture, and culture is what causes us to be able to achieve and fulfill a vision. My pastor said to me one time, Pastor Jonathan Del Turco, we were talking on the phone one day, we were talking about the subject of vision, and he said, he said Josh, you need to understand, culture is so critical to vision. 
He said, you could have the best vision in the world. You could have Jesus himself appear in your bedroom in the middle of the night and hand you a heavenly scroll with the greatest vision anybody has ever gotten. And if your culture doesn't match the potency of the vision, it'll kill the vision. My friend Hal Hardy likes to say, culture eats vision for breakfast. And so we understand that culture is important and our values define our culture. So today we're going to talk about Value number four. Let me just read all five of them to you real quick so you can follow along. Number one, we value God's word. Amen. Amen? That goes without saying. Number two, we value God's presence. How many of you love God's presence? Number three, we talked about this last week. We value God's family. Amen? Big, small, from any background, from any culture, from any place, we value God's family. The global church, the local church, and the unsaved, because we believe God's family ought to be all the time getting bigger. Amen? That's why they went and gave some sleeping bags out yesterday, because we believe the family of God ought to always be getting bigger. So number three, we value God's family. Today, we're going to talk about number four, we value God's culture. And then next week, we'll talk about number five, we value God's character. So today we'll talk quickly about God's culture. As I said in previous weeks, the culture that we build is what is going to either cause us to fulfill the vision God's given us or fall short of it. As I just said, culture eats vision for breakfast. And I like this statement too. We are what we tolerate. We are what we tolerate. We are what we're in pursuit of, yes, but we're also what we tolerate. If I tolerate you know, throwing the McDonald's bag on the back floorboards of my car, then that's the culture I'm creating inside of my car. And that culture will either cause me to, um, to be confident or that culture will cause me to always be perpetually apologizing. Amen. How many of you would just love to spend all your life apologizing because you're always late and you're always messy and you're always, I'm sorry, I, you know. There's a... a, a a really great preacher that I love, and he, he talked about being on time for things. And he said, the problem with being late for everything and, and, and having that as your culture is you spend your whole life apologizing. Hey, I'm sorry, I'm running a few minutes late. Will you order me? Will you order some water for me? Will you get me a Diet Coke? Hey, just, just tell them I'm number five. I'll be there late. I'm sorry, I'm coming behind. I'm, I've, been, I've been trying, I've been trying. Now listen, I'm not trying to be hard on anybody this morning because we all have you know, things that we go through that are unavoidable, things that are outside of our control. But how many of you know the culture we tolerate is a big deal? When we study the nature of who God is, a few things seem to stand out about him and about the culture of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to say I'm giving you three, I'm going to give you three points today about culture that I want to talk about. This is not an exhaustive list by any means. God is so big that you can't just boil him down to three principles. But for the sake of brevity and for the sake of what we're aiming for as a church, I want us to talk about three issues of culture in the church. What is God like? When God does something, how does he do it? The answer to those questions often reveal the culture of the kingdom of God. What is God like? What does he, when he does something, how does he do it? Does he do it well? Does he do it poorly? When God said, let there be light, how effective was it? Right? Is God effective when he does something? You better believe it. Well, that's part of his culture. That's part of the culture of the kingdom of God. 
So we're going to talk about three things this morning. Number one, we're talking about a, cult, a culture of honor. Number two, we'll talk about a culture of excellence. Number three, we'll talk about a culture of integrity. I, I don't know that this is going to be a real, like, jump up and shout kind of message. I think we got our shouts out during the uh, offering and during the communion, okay? So this is just going to be more, hey, let's work on ourselves a little bit this morning, okay? Embracing these components of a healthy culture is the key to being proven as faithful in the body of Christ, and that is the key to promotion. The Bible says that it's the faithful man who abounds with blessing. Amen? How many of you want to be proven as faithful? I don't know about you. When I get to heaven, that's the word I'm looking for. Well done, good, faithful servant. The thing about faithfulness is totally not sexy. It isn't. Faithfulness is getting out of bed and going to drop off sleeping bags when all you want to do is stay in bed and be like, it's raining outside. I got a long list of stuff to do. Faithfulness is I'm going to pray this morning even though I don't feel like doing it. Faithfulness is, hey, man, I'm going to still come to church even though I don't feel like going to church. Faithfulness is I'm going to still love my wife. I'm going to still love my husband even when they do something to me that I don't like, even when they hurt me or they betray me or whatever the case may be. God demonstrates his faithfulness to us so that we can learn how to be faithful to him. So faithfulness is not, these are not like, you know, Ooh, did you feel the anointing? No, this is like we're going to work on ourselves a little bit this morning, okay? So let's talk about a culture of honor. Let me first start by saying that honor can be a tricky subject because like so many other things, it's been a concept through the years and through human history that has been tainted in many people's minds by those who have demanded honor without giving any, right? I'm, I'm very, very passionate about the, co- the concept of honor. And matter of fact, it's something I'm, the Lord told me to write a book about it, so I'm working on it. But how many of you know honor, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but honor was made for conflict. Do you realize that? Honor was made for conflict. It's super easy for me to honor you when we agree on everything right? How many of you figured that out, right? It's like if you're a spouse, if, you, you know, if, you're, if you've got a husband or a wife, if you're married, and you just, man, the, the honeymoon period's just so easy because you just, you just agree on everything, right? You're just like, man, I'm just so happy to be married. Oh, yeah. Hey, baby, you're so beautiful, right? Everything's just, you know, roses and spring water and butterflies and, you know, I mean, it's just all good. And then you hit that first conflict, right? It's like, why did you put the toilet paper that way? Why do you chew so loudly? What is that smell? Right? Come on, I'm not the only one been there, right? Hello. The moment of conflict is the moment honor was created for. Now, it's a tricky subject. It's kind of like, I kind of think of honor in the same way that I think of humility. It's hard to talk about. I can't, have you ever met somebody that's just real proud of how humble they are? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Look how humble I am, man. I'm just so proud of the fact that I'm humble. 
Well, it's the same thing, you know, especially when you're dealing with leadership and you're dealing with the dynamics of relationship. It's really hard for somebody to stand up and say, hey, you need to honor me, right? It's tricky because you just invited that person to make a decision. Well, am I going to honor them or am I going to not? Because they're kind of demanding it of me. That's why we're going to talk about integrity at the end. Integrity ties all this stuff together. Honor is absolutely a two-way street. It's not something that I get to demand without being willing to give. Honor, for those taking notes, honor is an expression of our value for something or someone. It should be the foundation of our relationships in the body of Christ. The issue of honor is huge, monumental. Honor is the internal commitment to highly esteem something or someone. It's a commitment to value the desires and needs and rights of someone else more than you value your own. And this is why it can be a tricky subject because it opens the door for trust and when trust is violated in the conversation of honor, oftentimes things get abused. That's why we first, before we even learn how to honor one another, we practice by honoring God. Because how many of you know you can trust him? Yeah, that was a weak amen. How many of you know you can trust God? How many of you found you can trust him? You can honor him. Because he actually honors you. Did you ever think about that? Go read Psalm chapter 8 sometimes. So when I consider the heavens, the stars that you have made, the earth and their fullness, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Watch this next phrase. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Did you know that God honors you? Did you know that God honors your right to choose him or reject him? When we, when we see how much God honors us, it becomes much easier for us to start to honor one another. It's the key to helping us rid ourselves of selfishness. Now, I want to look at one verse that specifically deals with honor. It's in Mark chapter 6. And this is a beautiful thing for us to understand because what I want you to see here is that honor is the key to receiving things from God, okay? Honor is the key to receiving things from God. How many of you want to receive something from the Lord? Show of hands, right? That's two of you. Okay, good. No, don't you want to receive from God? Don't you want his very best in your life? Well, honor is the key to receiving from God. Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 1 down through verse 4. This is talking about Jesus in his own hometown. It says, Then he, he went out from there and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? So they started out right. They started out right in the, you know, in the, in the right direction. They're going, Whoa, this is some deep teaching, man. Where did this guy get this stuff? It's amazing. They were impressed. What is this wisdom which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? And here's where they turned south. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, 
brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, verse 4, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Watch verse 5. This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. So he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people. You see that dishonor opened the door, opened the door for it, offense, and that's the thing that stopped them from receiving Jesus. We're not talking about them receiving some, you know, rogue preacher. We're not talking about them receiving some little piddly lesser thing. We're talking about the maker of heaven and earth, the king of the universe, is standing in front of them and their, their offense and their lack of honor for who he was actually stopped them from receiving. What is the thing that I want you to take away from this this morning? It's that honor is the key. Everybody say that out loud. Honor is the key, is the key. to receiving from God. You can't receive from something you're not willing to honor. That's why when we talk about our church culture and we talk about what we value here at Hope Church, honor is a big part of that. Amen? Let's keep going. Number two, let's talk about a culture of excellence for just a minute. A culture of excellence. I want to ask you a question. If we're going to do something good for God, shouldn't it be the best that we can make it? Yeah. If we're going to do something for the Lord, shouldn't it be spectacular? Amen. Does, does, let me put it to you this way. Does he deserve your best? Yeah. That's what Stephanie was talking about during the offering. Doesn't he deserve our best? Right. Well, yeah, he gave us his best. Right. I mean, it doesn't get any better than Jesus, right. Right? right? The pursuit of excellence is easy for us to understand when we remember who we're doing it for. The excellence is not for us. I don't want to have a clean church building just so that I can walk through and feel good about how clean it is. That's a nice byproduct, but that's not the purpose. The purpose for excellence is the one unto whom it's done. It's the person that we're doing it for. I lay my life down for Jesus because he deserves my very best, so I'm not going to give him the leftovers. You remember who gave him the leftovers in the Bible? Cain. Cain gave Jesus, well, God. Cain gave God his leftovers. Abel gave God his firstborn animal, his firstborn sheep. God accepted one sacrifice, didn't like the other one, right? Why didn't he like it? Because it wasn't a representation of Cain's best. God said, look, I created this whole universe for you, and the best you could do is give me leftovers. Ouch. Ouch. We can do better, amen? Excellence is not for us, it's for God. However... The reward of excellence is for us. How does God, let me ask you this question, how does God reward your excellence? What does God give you when you give him your best? He gives you himself. Is there anything better than all of God? <laughs> That's a big thought. That's a heavy thought, right? It's a big one like, whoa, if I'm willing to give God my very best, that means he's actually willing to give me his very best too. The reward of excellence is for us. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 10. I want to show you a picture of excellence in the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 10. This is a wonderful passage. 
verse 4 and 5. This is talking about King Solomon, the greatest king that ever lived. King Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. How many of you remember when the Queen of Sheba came to visit old Saul? Watch this. Watch this. Verse 4. And when the Queen of Sheba had... Oops, I lost my place. When the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, their apparel, his cupbearers, and the entryway by which he went up into the house of the Lord. Everybody say excellence. When she saw Solomon's excellence, there was no more spirit in her. That's Bible talk for she fainted. She fell out. She went, she did one of them old, you know, silent movie moves. Oh. You know what I'm saying? She did one of those, them black and white. Oh. Why? Why, 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 why? Because excellence can be overwhelming. How many of you realize when you read about heaven in the Bible, it's not shabby? Okay, it's not reclaimed barnwood, all right? Now, I got nothing wrong with reclaimed barnwood, but you know what I'm talking about. It's, listen, y'all, they paved the streets with gold up there, okay? Gold is such a lackluster commodity in heaven that they paved the streets with it. That's excellence, guys. Because that is what we move toward in the kingdom of God, on the way there, we ought to be giving our best and presenting our best to God, knowing what he has in store for us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Proverbs 22, verse 29 says this, still speaking of Solomon, says, did you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Excellence is the key to promotion. Right along with honor, right along with integrity. I like what John Maxwell says, one of my favorite heroes. He says, excellence is the gap between average and exceptional. It's the ability to exceed expectations and consistently deliver superior quality. I'm telling y'all, everything that Hope Church touches ought to be excellent. I'm talking about we ought not tolerate a tiny piece of gum wrapper on the floor. Don't walk past a bent paper clip on the floor. Don't walk past a cigarette, but let's serve God with absolute honor and excellence and integrity. Because he deserves it, y'all. He deserves it. There's a reason our praise and worship team practices. Amen. How many of you like to praise and worship this morning? Wasn't that good? Amen. There's a, listen, there's a reason. Thank you, Claire, for that loud clapping. There's a, that's my kid right there. That's my kid. Um, there's a reason Leslie works hard to like make those song lists and tell us what we're going to sing and prepare. Why? Because we want it to be excellent. We want it to be good. Why is a night at the Ritz better than a night at the Super 8? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're both got pillows. Both got beds, both got sheets, both got a front desk. They might have a pool. Both got lamps, carpets, mini bar. Right? Coffee machine in the bathroom. It's like the weirdest thing in the world, but it's normal at hotels. How many of you keep your coffee machine in your bathroom at home? <laughs> eh, no. What makes the night at the Ritz better than the night at the Days Inn or the Super 8 or the whatever? I stayed at Holiday Inn Express last night. What makes it better than that? Excellence. 
excellence. Right? Let me tell you a story. One time I was at the Ritz-Carlton in Sarasota, Florida, where we used to live. And our church down there would do a big banquet for all of our volunteers every, every year at Christmas at the Ritz. And so we were, in, we were in the Ritz, and everybody was in the ballroom eating dinner, and I had to get up and use the restroom. And the person who was actually up talking at that point was pretty boring, so I was taking my time. And I was on my way back from using the restroom and looked down a hallway and saw a giant Baldwin grand piano just pushed up into a corner. And I was like, that is super cool. So I walked over to it, and I was looking at it and kind of touching it, but a little nervous. And this guy comes up walks past me with a suit on, and he had an earpiece on. And I thought, oh, this guy, he must work for the Ritz. I better be careful. And he said, you like what you see? I said, yeah, man. I said, this is a beautiful piano. I said, can I play it? He said, this is what he said to me. He said, sir, this is the Ritz-Carlton. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> so I sat down and played that thing for like 45 minutes, and it was awesome. What makes that a different experience than, than the Super 8? He was in a suit. He had a gold-colored tie on. He had a name tag. I know because I've studied the Ritz-Carlton. He had in the pocket of his shirt a little card that tells you the five points of excellence that the Ritz-Carlton abides by. Every employee in their company has to carry it with them all the time. He provided an experience for me that forever marked my memory. That's what made it different than checking into the La Quinta in West Virginia on your way somewhere. Hello. Right? Excellence is when we expect more of ourselves than is expected of us. When we talk about representing the Lord, which is what we do, make no mistake about it, we represent God in the earth. That's the job of the church, y'all. We're putting Jesus on display. Are we displaying him correctly? Spare no expense. God is glorified in our excellent portrayal of him. Let's talk about a culture of integrity, and then we'll wrap up. Y'all doing okay this morning? I know we packed a lot into today's service, lots of videos and all kinds of stuff. Let me just try to land the plane here. Culture of integrity, number three. I actually left integrity last because it's the most important thing that we're talking about today. You will never build a healthy culture in a family, in a church, in a business, in an organization, in a school, in any kind of organization. You will never build a healthy culture without integrity. Amen. Amen. It's the most important thing you can have in your marriage. It's the most important thing you can have in any relationship. It's the most important thing you can have as a leader and as a follower. Have you ever been to Disney World? Who's been to Disney World? Let me see your hands. Have you ever been to Epcot Center in Disney World? Epcot Center is my favorite part of Disney World. Because in Epcot Center, they have the, uh, what do they call it, the Tour of Nations. And, 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 and it's at the back of the park, and it's around this big lake, and you walk all around this big lake, and you go from one country to the next. If you've ever done it, it's super fun. And if you know me, I love Europe, and I love the other sides of the world, and so for me, it's just absolutely fun. But you go to Epcot, and you quote-unquote travel from all these different places, all of those countries put on such a good show, but the reality is you never actually left the theme park, right? It's very convincing. Oh, here we are in Italy. Let's eat 
some tiramisu. Oh, we just were in France. Look at the Eiffel Tower. It's a little miniature version of it. Look at the Eiffel Tower. Doesn't this feel like a, like a French street? Oh, let's go sit at this Parisian cafe. But it's all superficial. Because what happens if you peek around the corner of the set? What happens if you poke your head in the employee's only door? You're going to see Joe eating his lunch, right? You can see some guy over there, you know, getting dressed in his suit to come out and perform. What am I getting at? Epcot's great because it has the appearance of something, but the integrity of it is not there. You haven't actually left the theme park. You just got a good show. It's very entertaining, but at the end of the day, it's superficial. A person without integrity is exactly the same. A person who lives life without integrity can put on a great show, but don't peek behind the curtain. People without integrity. Let me tell you something, guys. The world, those who are unsaved, those who don't know Jesus like we get to, they can see through that pretty easily. They can see real clearly that, 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 that we, we sometimes have no integrity. We say something and we say we believe in something and then our actions betray the things that we say. I know this is a heavy one, guys. Just stick with me. It's going to get good in just a second. A person without integrity will not be able to fool people for too long because eventually... Eventually, Toto goes and pulls the curtain away from the Wizard of Oz. And it's all, don't look at the man behind the curtain, right? At some point, the emperor's clothes are not there anymore, and we're, and we're caught in a situation where we're exposed. And here's the thing, I'm not trying to be harsh, but I want to issue a challenge for all of us. Because we say we represent God, because we're out in the world telling people how great Jesus is, our lives need to match the character that we portray. I don't want to be, a, you know, a prop and a set piece at Epcot that people look from, you know, from a distance and they squint and they go, boy, that looks like the Eiffel Tower. But then you push it too hard and it falls over. I don't want to be that guy. Amen. I don't want to be that guy. The best example I can think of what integrity actually means is to look at God and look specifically at his relationship to his word. If you want to know what integrity looks like, look at how closely God cares for the words that he has spoken. Psalm 119 tells us, Thy word hast thou exalted more than thy great name. What does that mean? I mean, if you take the King James English out of it. Your word you've exalted more than your name. That means God cares so much about his word that he prioritizes it above his own reputation. That's how God deals with his own word. That, my friend, is integrity. That's what integrity looks like. And guys... I'm not trying to beat up anybody or speak ill of anybody or paint a picture in anybody's mind because you know what? We've all been lacking in integrity at some point in our lives. 
How many of you have never told a lie? Good, nobody raised their hand. I was gonna have to have a healing line at the end here to cast the devil out of y'all, you know, for lying in church. No, how many of you have never told a lie? We've all done it. We've all fallen short on our character. We've all let our integrity slip from time to time. Praise God for mercy. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. Praise God for his grace. The man, when I fall to the lowest of lows, he'd just scoop me back up again because he loves me that much. And he loves you that much. We're not trying to demand perfection, but we are trying to challenge ourselves to say, I'm going to live with integrity. I'm going to live with character. I'm going to live with honor, and I'm going to live with excellence. One final scripture as we close. It's Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 3. Watch this says the integrity of the upright will guide them. But the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. The integrity of the upright will guide them. Your commitment to have integrity before God is what will keep you in the plan and in the purpose of God all the days of your life. Integrity is when we stay true to what we believe and we live according to it. I like this quote from a man named Simon Sinek. He says, integrity is when our words and deeds are consistent with our intentions. Isn't that good? These things we're talking about on a final note here, these three things, a culture of integrity, culture of honor, culture of excellence, they are internal issues. Honor, excellence, and integrity are an inside job. They start small. I want you to hear this. They start small. These are the areas where faithfulness is proven over time. Honor starts small. It starts internal. It starts with a decision. I'm going I'm to be an honorable person. That's just what I'm going to do. I've made the decision. That's who I'm going to be. It starts by honoring God. It starts by honoring your family, honoring your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you're around, the folks you go to church with. Excellence, same thing. Starts small. It starts small. It starts at home. Amen. You want to serve God with excellence? Make your bed. Amen. 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 You want to, so I'm serious, man. You want, to stir, you want to serve God with excellence? See, this is what we do, y'all. We get excited and inspired about something big that we see somewhere. I'm going to change the world for Jesus. I'm going to go to China, and I'm going to, yes. And then we don't throw our McDonald's wrappers away. We put them in the back seat of our car and let them sit there for a week and a half or a month or three years or whatever. <laughs> hey, man, I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. I'm driving a car that I really appreciate right now, that I really enjoy. Not the big orange rental car that I have downstairs, the one that's getting worked on at the shop. But for me, it was a beautiful, it's a beautiful car. And I'm, I so appreciate it, I so enjoy it. And the Lord challenged me six months before I got that car that I really enjoy when I was driving a car that was a bit clunkier. And the Lord challenged me to start washing my car every week. I'm like, Lord, this car, 
I could sell this car and buy a pizza. You understand? Like, it's, just, it's not a nice car, Lord. And God said this to me. He said, if I can't trust you to be faithful with this one, how can I ever trust you to be faithful with the one I want you to have? So you know what I started doing? Polishing a turd, man. I started washing that thing every week. I would take it to the car wash every week. And not too long after that, the Lord helped me to step into where we're at now. You want to be known for integrity? Start telling the truth. Be on time. Go to your appointments on time. Come to church on time. Don't let a lie come past your lips. Cultivate these things on a small scale inside of you and watch the way the Lord actually empowers you with grace and the snowball starts to pick up more snow and before you know it, you look back at your life and you go, this is a life of integrity. This is a life of character. This is a life of honor. This is a life of excellence and it's because of the grace of God. We're not trying to preach to you that you have to perform really well all the time. It's not about perfection, y'all. But it's about a commitment to, be, to, to live in the things that God wants us to live in. To be the people he's called us to be. Amen? Does that help y'all this morning? Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.